You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Brad Whit. He's the senior pastor of Abilene Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, one of the great uh, vibrant, growing churches of our Southern Baptist Convention and Georgia Baptist Convention. He's the author of 40 Days of Refreshment, Quiet Times for Hectic Hearts, and Rooted, Deepening Your Relationship with Jesus. Brad, welcome to Preaching Source. Doc, my pleasure. Now, uh, we want to talk today about preaching and church transitions, and this is a vital topic always, but especially if you look at uh, some of the great churches and pulpits and ministries in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, there are a number of those churches, a significant number, over the next five years who will have pastors who've been there for a long time who are retiring. Uh, Brad, when you came to Abilene, uh, you were one of those new guys who succeeded a pastor who had been there, I think, for 32 years uh, so, hey, in 32 years, you've become a legend to, to your people. So uh, talk to us a bit about what are some of the lessons that you've learned from following a successful long-term pastor. It, it can really be one of the biggest blessings of a pastor's ministry and life, but it can also, and far too often, ends up being just a time of much sadness and sorrow. If you watch the, look, look at the landscape, and uh, if you really follow uh, uh, the ministries of those guys who have followed long-tenured pastors, I mean, there's statistics out there, and it normally doesn't go well. Uh, the, the ones that do go well are the rarity. But it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, because one of the things that you see in a pastor who has served at a church for decades is that you tell a lot, not just about the man. You can tell a lot about the man but you can tell even more about the church. And so you're finding there a stable church, a strong church, definitely not a mean church, because all of us pastors have faults and flaws and failures. And so you're, you don't have here a church that wants to fire a, a pastor because they don't like his tie or his jeans or whatever. Uh, and so it can be just one of the most beneficial, and I, I'll be honest, transitions are tough on anybody. They are absolutely more difficult on the guy who is retiring than he ever dreams, and they're often, most likely, more difficult on the guy coming in than he ever thought. And so the thing is, is just to have a plan to, to be kind and Christ-like, to understand that people do things differently, not everything that's different is wrong, and then really pray that God stays right in the middle of it, that the devil doesn't get in the middle and cause all kinds of trouble. Because, again, if you can have one of those tremendous transitions, which are far too few, but if you can have one of those, then, again, the, the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of the church, is just that much more strengthened, and you're able to more effectively reach that community. Uh, what should a new pastor be aware of? when he's following a long-tenured pastor? Yeah, again, first of all, that uh, it's probably going to be rougher for you and for the uh, pastor you're following with all the well intentions than either of one of you ever dreamed. Uh, it's just, it's hard um, because we, as pastors, we're leaders. 
the, I would say the ones that it actually goes well are probably those pastors who are not strong leaders. A strong leader does things the way he does because he thinks they're right and they're best. And so when somebody else follows him and begins to do it any different at all, then what happens is there's a personal, wow, why did you do that? I had it just the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, and so you need to be aware of those sorts of things. Uh, also, be aware that it's going to take a little time. You're, you're not going to step right in and everything be smooth, everything be great, everybody accept you. Uh, the way you do things, take your time. Don't be a bull in a china shop. You know, a lot of the guys my age and down especially, um, I turned 45 this summer, a lot of the guys my age and down have the philosophy, come in, be a bull in a china shop, tear everything up the first year, uh, run everybody off who's not going to be for you, and uh, rebuild it. Number one, that's just, that's ridiculous. Uh, again, it hurts the church, hurts the testimony in the community. Give it some time. Take your time. To the best of your ability, honor the man who you're following. The man who's leaving, to the best of your ability, be honorable. That's what I've always said, folks. I'm going to honor, he, be, he needs to be honorable. And we're going to honor those who have served faithfully. Uh, but also understanding that things are going to be different. Uh, when I was pastor, I started a church. Uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers sent me to Ohio to plant a church in 99 and 2000. And we were there for a couple of years, and... Um, the Lord called us back to South Carolina. And uh, there was a man in my church uh, who was one of the VPs, the Midwest CEO for uh, UPS. Uh, and uh, we were talking about the transition headed to South Carolina. And again, I was following a long tenured pastor. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm not going to make any changes. And he said, why? They're calling a new pastor. They expect there to be change. He said, just don't change those things that really matter to them. Make changes. And so that's one thing that we did at Abilene. Uh, came in, you change the bulletin, change the logo, things that really don't impact people. Don't start cutting services. Don't start uh, doing away with the choir. Don't start installing things. Take your time and get to know the people. Let them get to know you. And then saturate every bit of that with prayer. Brad, how, how does a new pastor gain rapport with a congregation that still loves its previous pastor? Absolutely. You know, a lot of it is just time. You know, we talked about a moment ago about um, just it takes time to become the pastor, and it takes time for them to trust you. You're going to come in with a certain amount of change, a certain amount of credibility by being the pastor. They voted on you to become the pastor. So with that comes a certain amount of, of influence, if you will. And you can lose that or you can build on that based on how you act, what you do those first six months to a year. And so I'm a people person. I love people. And so one of the things that I did at Abilene when we first came there is I made it a point to come in early, make my way through the auditorium. I learned this from Steve Gaines. Make my way through the auditorium, pat people on the backs, shake their hands, talk to them, remember their names, and uh, try to spend as much time as I could amongst the people. After the service, hang around. Hang out with them uh, there at the church. Let them get to know you. They're going to begin to pick up on you, your strengths, your weaknesses. We all have them. And, uh, but they'll begin to accept you because you're spending time with them. And uh, I never will forget, I was in a mentoring group, and this was, has stuck with me. 
uh, Ken Hemphill had uh, about 10 of us preacher boys up uh, to his house every month when I lived in South Carolina. And uh, one month, he would bring in different preachers, and one month he brought in Jim Henry. And we spent a day with Jim Henry just pouring into us. There was a pastor there with us, a young pastor, and uh, I didn't know the connection. And he didn't say anything to the end of the day. And he finally raised his hand and he said, he said, Dr. Henry, he said, you may not remember me, but I was a member, my mom was a member when you were in Tennessee. My mom was a single mom. And we would come in and sit on the very back row because she didn't want me to misbehave. We'd sit on the very back row there at the church. And you may not even remember this, but when you would walk into the auditorium, you'd walk over and you'd pat me on the head. You'd say hello to me. And I've never forgotten it. And when I heard that, I never have forgotten that statement. The power of a pastor's touch, the power of a pastor's remembering names. And so spend time with your people. Go to the, uh, so the fellowship dinners with your senior adults. Hang out with your, with your youth at camp. You cannot overemphasize the importance of spending time with your people. Uh, in your own transitions, uh, what would you do differently if you had it to do over? You know, there's always things you can look back. Um, I, I won't talk necessarily about our transition, but just even observing other pastors. I think when the day comes for me to retire, the Lord lets me stay at Abilene 30 years. One of the things I've already told the folks is I will leave the area. Uh, I, I, I don't think you can win. Uh, so I, I make a joke. What I say is I want to buy three acres on a hillside in East Tennessee and uh, next to a trout stream uh, within driving distance of some uh, bird fields so I can hunt and close enough to an airport where I might be able to fly out, build me a cabin, have a great Internet connection, and teach some classes in the spring and summer <laughs> and fall. And so I, but my, my joke is when it comes time for me to retire, to leave, to leave the area. Uh, because you're in a no-win situation, especially if you've been in a church a long period of time. If you smile wrong, if you smile too early, if you smile not enough, if you smile too late, if you don't smile at all, people are reading into it, and it puts you in a spot. It puts you in a spot where you can't win. And the problem is it's going to not just hurt the new pastor. You're going to hurt your own reputation, your own legacy. And so I, I, when my dad had been at First Baptist Milan for, th I think, 13 years. It's the only church I'd ever known uh, from the time I was in third grade, basically, through college. I never will forget he uh, resigned on a Sunday night. These were who I'd grown up with. I never will forget Janet Hassel looking down the aisle at me or down the pew at me and going, what? Just the heartbreak of the pastor leaving. And our last Sunday night there, we're walking. I'm a college student at Union University, pre-law student. And my dad looks over at me and says, go find a new church. And I remember looking back at him and saying, what? He said, go find a new church. It's not fair to the new pastor. And so I've never forgotten that. And I've also never forgotten that these people that we love, that our, were our friends, are still our friends. The moment he announced his resignation, he was history. He was past. Didn't mean they didn't love him, but he wasn't part of the future of the church. And so understanding that, and that's only compounded. That's only exponentially increased when guys have been there 20 and 30 and more years. And uh, so, but just to understand that those transitions are hard, 
and uh, you got to you have to bathe them in prayer, and uh, stay just as close and clean as you possibly can. Brad, is there is there any special role that your preaching plays in in a transition? It absolutely does. Um, first of all, again, you're called to be the pastor, um, and so there's a that vote, if you will. There is a there's a inherent trust that comes with it, but you're going to build their trust from that pulpit. You're leading from that pulpit. I had a seminary professor probably gave me one of the best pieces of advice on preaching uh, that I've ever received. And he told me, he said, when you first go to a church, preach your best stuff. Preach your best stuff. Now, some guys will say, no, start out like you want to last out. No, preach your best stuff. And here's what he said. He said, if you get known as a good preacher and you just don't measure up one day. One day you just, you, you flop. We all have those days where we strike out. They'll just say, well, he just had a bad day. But if you get known as a poor preacher and you knock it out of the park, they'll just say you got lucky. And so preach your best stuff. Uh, you're also setting the direction. Uh, when, when I first came to Abilene, I made sure they heard me say it. Either everybody will be welcome here or nobody will be welcome here. These doors will be open for everybody or they won't be open for anybody. Uh, and I remember the first time that I dealt with uh, one of those sensitive issues like that, and there was a little bit of a, uh, a puckering up that kind of went through the auditorium, but you're setting the direction. They're getting to know you, um, uh, uh, truth through personality. They're seeing your personality uh, there from the pulpit, and so you're leading, you're, you're investing, you're shaping, you're molding uh, the ministry there. And so it's all from the pulpit. Mm. Uh, how, what's the wisest way for a pastor to begin to involve his family in a transition? Well, again, I, I think your family, with, number one, without your family, you don't have a ministry. That's just fact. So don't neglect your family. I'm a pastor's son. Uh, my middle brother is in the ministry. My baby brother's an attorney. I always joke everybody, joke with everybody and say pastors need family members who are attorneys. And, uh, but even my youngest brother, my baby brother, uh, is active in a local church. And so we were raised to love the church. And church wasn't something that took my daddy away. Church was something that we got to go do. The ministry was something my dad would take us out Monday, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday, during the week visiting people, go to the convention, go on revivals, stop and buy some milkshake or an ice cream on the way home, those sorts of things. And so when you first go to a church, especially, think about this. We, we, uh, we have four children. Uh, now they're 11 down to four. So we have young children. Our youngest child was born since we've been at Abilene. Far as I know, that is the first baby that was born to the pastor at Abilene in decades. And so there was an excitement uh, in the people about a new baby being born. And so we just made sure everywhere we went, our children were with us. When we went to uh, the senior adult functions, our children went with us. Uh, my wife got involved quickly in the uh, children's ministry. And so our, our children, they don't get up going, we have to go to church. They're up during the week going, are we going to church today? Are we going to church today? They love being around the ministry because the ministry is not something that takes me from them. The ministry is something we take them with us. And so involve your family. 
Don't segregate your family from the ministry. Involve them. Make them uh, love it because it's, you know, one, one thing. Uh, people say, well, familiarity breeds contempt. No, it doesn't. Familiarity breeds love. And I could talk about some of the things that I had to eat growing up, and, man, at the time I hated them. And now they're some of my favorite meals because there's that familiarity with them. And so make sure your children are familiar. They love being a part of the ministry of the church. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Brad Whit, senior pastor of Abilene Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. And we've been talking about preaching and church transitions. Uh, Preaching Source is on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Preaching Source, just at Preaching Source. Uh, This is where you can find new podcasts and other materials. They become available. And this podcast today especially would be useful if you have a friend who's a pastor who is uh, coming to the end of a long tenured ministry or if you know a pastor who is succeeding a pastor in a long tenured ministry uh, this would be some great advice today so uh, share this with your friends and Brad thank you so much for being with us in a very useful session today my pleasure